pressured by McCaffrey. The swing to McCaffrey. Use check blocking out front. Oh, hurdle for McCaffrey. Leaping his way for the touchdown. Keytrell Clark, the rookie from Louisville, looked up to see McCaffrey fly over him. Now, back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett, Alan Stiles, and Mark Randy on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. Overtime continues here on 95.7 The Game. 35-16, the final score. The 49ers are now 4-0 on the 2023 regular season. You heard that one there was the Christian McCaffrey 18-yard touchdown run. That made it 14-0 49ers over the Arizona Cardinals. Christian McCaffrey put together an MVP performance today. Four touchdowns. Could have been five. That one, though, was the highlight. The 18-yard touchdown run. It was officially a run. Kind of a backwards pass to the right flat from Purdy to McCaffrey. Caught the pass, turned up field, leapt over a defender, and then ran all the way into the end zone. A remarkable touchdown for Christian McCaffrey. One of his four touchdowns today for the 49ers. 20 carries, 106 yards on the ground. Almost 5.3 yards per attempt. Three touchdowns. And he didn't really have this gigantic play. We've seen in previous games where he has, you know, a 50-yard play, a 45-yard run. Today, he's 18 yards. He just over and over, relentlessly running through the Cardinal defenders. And again, four touchdowns, the most since Raheem Mostert in the NFC title game in 2019 against the Green Bay Packers, where all San Francisco had to do was run the football. The difference is they got a quarterback now that... For as good as Jimmy Garoppolo was, Brock Purdy has blown what he's done out of the water. I don't know what it is, through 11 games, student, whatever the number is so far. Brock Purdy has taken this offense to new heights. Christian McCaffrey, though, I mean, we're talking from a top 10 offense to the number three scoring offense in football with Christian McCaffrey leading the way. Yeah, 100%. Let's hear from his head coach. This is Kyle Shanahan asked if he imagined Christian McCaffrey would be this good when they traded for him midway through last season. You hope so. I mean, you know he's that good of a player just watching him and stuff. Um, I mean, I think the whole league does. But then when, then when you get someone, or when you're around him personally, then you realize how much better he is just because of the, the intangibles that he has and really his whole makeup and how he works each week and how he prepares for a season from what he's been doing us with us and OTAs all the way till now. I mean, he's as much of a professional as I've been around. And um, in order to make trades, you, you usually have to give a little bit more to get people. And then there's always a risk that they won't work out. There's injuries in this league. There's tons of stuff. But um, what you like to do is know who the guy you're betting on, and he's a dude that I think everyone would bet on. So There's Shanahan on his superstar running back, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, again, you just lost for words. It's hard to describe what this guy is doing right now. Every single game he's played for the San Francisco 49ers, every single start he's made, He's gotten into the end zone, and he got into the end zone four times today, and it could have easily been five, Sterling. This dude is ridiculous. Christian McCaffrey right now is the best offensive weapon in football. And is this one of the greatest midseason trades of all time? I know it was, well, they gave up so many picks. And I get there was injury history. Christian McCaffrey. What were the picks? It was like a second round pick and a third round pick. Com compensatory picks, really. 
picks you get back again this yep. year and the year after that and the year after that. San Francisco essentially traded a, a basket full of bread and got a freaking <laughs> golden egg. And we're like, oh my goodness. Like, San Francisco gave away almost, I don't want to say nothing, but by how this team operates in the draft and signing players and letting them go and getting pits, picks back for them, it's almost like they just gave up one second-round pick for Christian McCaffrey. You're telling me you get a one touchdown, sometimes three, sometimes four touchdowns a game player for a second-round pick? I mean, my goodness, this might be – the Panthers can draft – whoever they want with those picks. And barring it being the next franchise quarterback, they got Bryce Young. We'll see how he does. That wasn't with one of the picks they got from the San Francisco 49ers. This may be a fleece by San Francisco. Oh, yeah. And just imagine what this offense and what this team would look like without him. They would still be a good team, Jordan Mason's playing running back today. And I like yeah. Jordan Mason, but he ain't giving you four touchdowns a game. Elijah Mitchell out today, in, oh. in case you missed it. I mean, yeah. that would have been gigantic news last year without Christian McCaffrey. Like, uh-oh, we got to rely on either J.P. Mason or TDP, Ty Davis-Price. But no, you got McCaffrey. And, of course, the, the knock on McCaffrey was, can you trust that he's going to stay healthy? He has been available for every single snap since he's put on the Niners helmet. Like, this dude has been an <laughs> Iron Man. And yeah. it's not just been available. How many times is is the talk of the town afterwards is, you got to give him a few less touches, Kyle. Like, yeah. please, we got to save this dude. He has not backed down from any challenge. And something that Kyle Shanahan was asked post-game today just a little bit ago was, can you imagine life without CMC? Can you match what it would like if you didn't get McCaffrey? No, don't ever say that. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how good this dude has been. Could you imagine this Niners team without him? Of course, they'd still be a good team. They have too much talent elsewhere. They still have an incredible defense. And you you have Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and, and also, you know, Brock Purdy, who's turning into a really good quarterback at the league at, at in this league. But if you didn't have McCaffrey, Sterling, this would not be the most impressive team in the league. You might not be 4-0. Maybe you lose, you know, in, in Los Angeles week two. Who knows? Like, it's impossible to tell. But what he provides this offense, it's incalculable. You can't really put a number on it because he just makes everyone around him so much better. And, of course, he himself is the best running back in the league. For as good as Brock Purdy has been, which he's been really good through however many games he's played so far, hasn't lost one yet, and looks like a top 10 quarterback in the NFL so far, Christian McCaffrey, is it weird to say that he was the player that Kyle Shanahan's offense needed to unlock it? Yeah, you can point to it and say, well, if they had Mahomes, they'd be so good for so long. And I get all that stuff, but the fact that a running back, we're in the NFL right now, we're pretty much... Worth nothing. You have teams not wanting to pay Jonathan Taylors and Dalvin Cooks and the Chargers are like, hey, Austin Eckler, you're great, but we might trade you in a year. San Francisco saying, no, 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 we'll trade a handful of picks and we'll pay every penny for Christian McCaffrey because what he does is worth it. He is the most dynamic running back, almost wide receiver in football. Like if you ask me, Sterling, Mark, who are the top three offensive players, non-quarterbacks in football? Jefferson, maybe Nick Chubb, and Chris McCaffrey. And I can argue McCaffrey's number one on that list. McCaffrey's in that group, 100%. Yes. Jefferson is in the group. There's probably a fight for the third spot. Yeah. But those, those two are one and two in whatever order you want. I mean, 
Jefferson is going to be one of the when he when it's all said and done, he's still so young in his career. <laughs> one of the greatest wide receivers to ever do it. And McCaffrey is certainly on that ledger as a running back. I agree. Let's get back to the phones here on overtime on 95-7 the game. 888-957-9570 is the number to call. It's also the Comcast business text line. This is Jonathan right outside of Levi's Stadium. Jonathan, this was your first time at Levi's. What'd you think of that uh, four touchdown performance from Christian McCaffrey? You're on overtime here with Grandy and Sterling. Hey guys, first time listener, also first time caller. I'm kind of in a unique situation. Um, I had a great time. You know, Christian awesome. McCaffrey definitely amazed me on the field there with four touchdowns. Um, fun story. I'm actually from Minneapolis, Minnesota, wow. and I, I came here for work. And you know, it's fun to cheer for a winning team. I, I know the Vikings kind of got the first win today, but you know, we're not going to talk about them. We're going to talk about the Forty Nine. <laughs> That's right. Um, Crazy situation. I, I came here for work, got to enjoy the game with with a coworker, Roberto. He's right here with me. You know, it, it's nuts. You know, I can't believe I even got on this call, to be honest with you. But, <laughs> you know, Purdy, he's, he's crazy. He came from Iowa. He's kind of close to that Minneapolis area. But, you know, McCaffrey, he's an animal. Four touchdowns today, that's crazy. Ayuk, coming off of injury, going for 150 on the field, you know, it, it's crazy. You know, the Niners are loaded these days. You guys mentioned Jefferson. I mean, I know Minnesota's got Jefferson, but we're not we're not performing. We're one and three. We're letting these games go. And the Niners, you know, it's it's wild to cheer for a winning team. And out here in the San Fran area, I've been in California for less than forty eight hours at this point. And California's wild. You know, San Francisco is winning and you guys are winning big. You guys aren't letting these games go. It's it's like you guys don't even have competition in the NFC. Who's your competition now, Philly? I mean, that's about it. Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, a good call, Jonathan. Shout out to, to Jonathan and, and your co-worker, Roberto, as well. It sounds like the 49ers are good enough to win over some Vikings fans. He's tired of watching that? Kirk Cousins. That's probably why. Yeah, that's fair. It's like we're one okay. and three. No, so Jonathan, we're just playing around. But, I mean, no, we're not. <laughs> I might be playing around. I don't know about Sterling. But, I mean, no, we are, we are. competition in the NFC, I mean, it's it's... From the beginning, it was it's been a three team race, and we knew that mm-hmm. all off season, right? Niners, Eagles, and Cowboys. There could be some surprises here and there. Uh, Rams two and two. You're not really scared about them in the postseason. Seattle's still good. Seattle is what two and one. They haven't played yet this week. Play on Monday. Yeah, they play play tomorrow night. Vanilla Vic. Uh, the surprise maybe of the NFC so far has been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are three and one. Baker Three and one. They just went in New Orleans and won today. I know Craig, who normally runs the board here for overtime, was down in New Orleans watching that game. He's happy about his Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's who probably are three drunk and one. out of his mind right now. Probably. Shout out, Craig. You're the Sam Baker. <laughs> <laughs> You're but, my boy. But I mean, besides those two, and you, you could argue you haven't been impressed with Dallas. You haven't been that impressed with Philadelphia, despite the fact that they are still four and zero. Oh. Dallas is three and one. Niners are four and zero. Oh. No one else is on anywhere near the level of those three, let alone the level of the 49ers. So I think Jonathan is right to a degree. There is still competition, but it's just relatively limited competition. There are three possible teams who I think even have any chance of winning the NFC this year. If it's not one of the Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles, it I'll be shocked. I would put 
so much money on one of those three teams <laughs> to win the NFC this year. Might not be might be a little dangerous. I might might not feel great about you it. You can bet the Cardinals. Oh God. <laughs> Put a buck on that and pay out like fifteen hundred dollars. But the, the the point is, and Jonathan I think is right to an extent, there's just not a ton of competition for the Niners in the NFC. They should run away with the NFC West. They're four and right now. If the uh, Seahawks are to lose tomorrow yeah. on, when, on on Monday Night Football. The Niners will have a two-game lead in the NFC West already. There's not a ton of competition for this team in the division and then around the rest of the conference. It's, it's really just the Eagles and the Cowboys. And to this point, I would disagree if anyone says the Niners haven't been the most impressive team of that bunch so far. The AFC feels like a slugfest where it's any Sunday, one team can win. Buffalo, Miami, uh, you got Denver, Miami last week. It feels like the, the Chiefs and the Raiders, whoever it is, well, that's probably a bad example, but, <laughs> but but it feels like the AFC, to begin the year, and we've seen through a month, it feels like that. that's kind of a toss-up. Of, yes, you may have your number one team being Buffalo and the Dolphins, but Kansas City still has Mahomes and Kelsey and Taylor Swift. You got other people like the Chargers got a big win today, I believe. There are some teams that can surprise, and you kind of wouldn't be too shocked. Jacksonville's playing below their potential so far. How long is that going to last? Then you have the NFC, where it feels like it's you got your Holyfield, you got your Tyson, you got your Muhammad Ali. Then it's a bunch of guys off the street, and you're like, these guys are getting knocked out left and right, TKO'd in the first round, and you're standing over them, flexing uh, right over them. <laughs> in San Francisco so far, unlike Dallas, who lost against this Cardinals team, San Francisco has knocked out their opponent, really not broken a sweat, and stood over them, and, and they flex like, you have nothing on us that, well... The text line keeps saying it's an effortless, uh, boring 30-point game. Yeah, San Francisco, while this isn't true, there isn't an effortless win, it does feel like San Francisco, while yes, has put up 30-plus points a game, it feels like <laughs> it's come so easy where maybe they haven't been tested too much yet. Next week in prime time at Levi Stadium, they're going to get a test. One of the top defenses in football, Micah Parsons, one of the best, if not the best defensive player in football so far, and an offense in Dallas that, well, unlike San Francisco's kind of been a roller coaster so far this year. And that right there to me is really the biggest example of how good San Francisco's been. The Eagles are a little blip up and a little blip down. Dallas is all over the place, up and down. San Francisco is riding high and is yet to come down, and they're just climbing up the... Up and up and up and up. And it's like right now you can't see a point of uh, in the future and say there might be a letdown somewhere. It feels like that every game should be a win. Yes. It, I mean, Niners will be favored on like, Sunday against the Cowboys. Cowboys, Browns, Bengals, all those games feel like they should end in victories. Regardless of who the 49ers play, and maybe the one exception is on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles yep. later on in the year. Maybe that's the one exception. Every other game feels like <laughs> if the Niners lose, and you'll still be disappointed if they lose to the Eagles, but every other game feels like we let one get away. Like That yeah. should have been a win. And that, that's just the reality of how talented this team is. It's a lot of pressure, and it's difficult to pass that test 17 times in a regular season. That's why very few teams go undefeated throughout a regular season because it's difficult to do that week in and week out. But you look at, and I, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, you look at the Bengals in a couple of weeks. That they stunk. was originally thought to be, that's going to be a really tough game. 
You're right. They're one and three right now, and they <laughs> look like they have issues. Jamar Chase is in the locker room saying, I'm always open. Throw me the bleeping ball. He said that this afternoon after they, they lost on the road against the Tennessee Titans. In the locker room, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, the, the, the AFC champions of a couple of years <laughs> ago who went back to the AFC title game last year. They're saying things like that, and they're one and three. They're dysfunctional. Well, it maybe, feels that way. Maybe to a small degree, they're dysfunctional. You know who's not? San Francisco. 100%. It feels like every single player, whether it's the GM, the owner, the head coach, the, the assistant, the water boy, the quarterback, the running back, the defense, the practice squad it's guys. all working it's, together. Everyone feels like they're moving as one. Yep. And you hate to use an army or a military uh, example, but it feels like they're an army with soldiers moving as one. You cannot stop fortitude like the San Francisco 49ers have right now. I think it's something that you said earlier when you're talking about Brock Purdy and his performance where he just has a sense, and this is obviously credit to the entire team and everyone doing their job to a T, but it's what makes Brock Purdy special, and it's what the 49ers haven't really been used to at the quarterback position in a long time, is a quarterback having complete command of the offense. What would happen, and I really hate to just bring him up to for, for bad examples, but what would happen when Jimmy Garoppolo's first read was covered or there was pressure in his in his face? He would get happy feet and he'd try to, you know, spin away and he'd he'd <laughs> he'd get he'd get sacked. Yeah. It is he'd throw the ball away, he'd throw an interception, he'd just get out of the pocket as best as he could. What does Brock Purdy do? He calmly spins away from the rusher. We saw that week one when Minka Fitzpatrick came rushing in and he perfectly spun away from him and found an open Debo Samuel. He is calm and he knows where everyone in this offense is. That might seem simple. It might seem easy. It might seem like, well, that's what quarterbacks should do. Yeah, they should if you're good. The reality <laughs> of the situation is the 49ers as an organization haven't had that from a quarterback in decades. In decades. And now it seems like they do. And it, it's it's a, a testament to Debo being where he's supposed to be. Ayuk being the security blanket, the safety valve down the field. George Kittle, oh, my guy's under pressure. I'm going to just sneak out here for a five-yard completion to the right flat. Everyone is where they're supposed to be. And somehow Brock Purdy knows where everyone is at, a, at all times. He has eyes in the back of his head. And that is the most important <laughs> skill that a quarterback can have. And Purdy has it. What do you hear almost every broadcaster say about him? He prepares. His preparation is like no other. Brock Purdy might not have the physical traits you like in a quarterback. May not have, you know, he... He's not 6'3", weighs 220 pounds. He can fling that ball 70 yards downfield, but he prepares. He makes sure that he knows where the running back and the receiver and the blocking is supposed to be, where his feet need to be to make the accurate, correct throw, where, and more importantly, where Kyle Shanahan wants that ball to go. And when Kyle Shanahan's first read, the first read of the play breaks down, Purdy knows, I have three, four other amazing options to get the ball to but the thing about purdy is and tom brady one of the worst at this he picked favorites where if you're a young receiver he ain't throwing the ball <laughs> brock purdy doesn't care if it's debo Ayuk, kittle mccaffrey juan jennings mcleod ronnie bell he doesn't care all he wants to do is win and continue the drive. He knows where receivers need to be and running backs need to be. It feels like he's preparing 
like he is those players. Uh, one thing Kyle Shanahan always talks about is that you know Kyle Juszczyk's kind of like another center on the field, where he knows where the the, the the Mike linebacker is and and where the blocking shifts need to be. It feels like that even Chris McCaffrey, the same thing, another quarterback on the field. It feels like Brock Purdy's preparing to play quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end, so he can be in lockstep with his guys every single play. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Niners knock off the Arizona Cardinals today, 35-16. to They're 4-0 on the year. The Arizona Cardinals fall to 1-3. and Let's go back to the phones here before we hit a quick break. Sean in Oakland wants to react to this Niners win on this Sunday on overtime here on 95-7 The Game. Sean, what's up? You're on overtime with Grandy and Sterling. What did you think of that Niners win today, Sean? Look, man, I'm not even a... Um I'm not even a Niners fan like that, right? But because I'm a Raider fan, and you already know what that debacle is is already. So, <laughs> but sorry about that. I'm not Sean. even going to talk about this. I'm not even okay. Whatever. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the skill players like Debo, Brock, and all them. But but that line, that offensive line, is 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 very cerebral. And if everybody is watching them, it's just like they're they're playing at like what what um. I think Sterling or somebody said that they're playing like one, like with one army and everything. They are. They're playing like one, one fist, and they're they're dancing like a like a perfect tandem, and they're keeping Brock making moves, making decisions, and they they opening them holes for McCarthy, McCarthy and all them, and it's just an amazing thing to watch. And look, I I gotta give it to them. They I don't see anybody messing with them. That line is bar none, one of the top lines in the NFL. So I don't care about them running up against Dallas or anything like that. I don't care. Dallas is 3-1, well, whatever. But that's not going to last too long. And the whole NFC better keep watch. The only people I see watch messing with them is Philadelphia and because their line is pretty much the same with Kelsey and all them. But the 49ers is on some, on some other level that I haven't seen in a long time in a championship team. And I'm, I'm proud of them. I got to be, I'm a Bay Area guy, and I'm, I'm proud of what the Niners are doing right now. Hey, good call, Sean. I'm not sure I'd go as far as saying that they're one of the best offensive lines in the league, especially mm. not on par with the Eagles, who probably do have the best offensive line in the league. Yeah. Um, I mean, Colton McKivitz today, he gave up the sack. <laughs> God, beats. There's only one sack today, one for each team. The Niners only gave up one. McKivitz looked pretty foolish on the sack that yeah. he gave up today. Um, but... I can't really think of too many other bad plays. I mean, it, there was the sack, and then there was the, I think, the negative two-yard run by Debo Samuel, which, yeah. which were on consecutive plays. Unless there was some plays in garbage time, I'm not including the, the Darnold kneel down, which was also a negative play technically. I think that negative two-yard run by Debo and the sack on the very next play in the third quarter were the only two negative plays all day for the Niners' offense. It's not all a result of the offensive line. No. But I think to Sean's point, for the most part, they get a pretty good day. McKibbitt's a, a, a very bad rep on that one specific one bad rep. play. But other than that, I mean, the offensive line, I don't know how you feel. They've been much better than I was expecting throughout this season, honestly. I mean, you look at one weakness of this team, specifically on the offense, it was just relative unknowns on the line. And there have been some missteps. But I think, again, to Sean's point, to the caller's point, 
the offensive line's been pretty damn good. I feel like I never hear someone mention any of their name besides McKivitz once a game, which, okay, it's one play. If it's a big play of the game, it's clutch. Of course, you're like, McKivitz, what are you doing? <laughs> well, th there was the play in the first quarter, I think it was, when McCaffrey caught a pass over the middle of the field, and Trent Williams somehow was up ahead of him. <laughs> And you see the big guy running forward, looking to pick up a block. Yeah. And I, I think you and I both screamed in unison, Trent, look out for Trent. <laughs> like he's about to just lay someone out. Ultimately, I think it was like a 14-yard McCaffrey gain. But you're right. Other than that, moments like that, the one McKivitt's mistake, you don't hear from any of the offensive linemen, which is a sign you're doing a good job. I think people are a little jaded when it comes to McKivitt's, especially because they know Trent's great. You really never hear about Aaron Banks' name because he's played really well through four games so far. Brendel was a, a second-team All-Pro last year. Burford, you expect bigger things in his second year as a starter. And McKivitt's, his first year starting. We knew coming into this year that it was going to be a big task for McKivitt's to be a better right tackle than to a certain degree, how bad or how good McGlinchey actually was. Yeah. He's up and down for his entire diner career. But it feels like through four games so far that San Francisco is gelling on all fronts, whether it's, okay, McKivitz gives up two sacks against Pittsburgh. Since then, he's given up, what, one, two total? Yeah. Like, they've picked things up since that week one against a really stout, strong Pittsburgh defensive line. Yeah, better than expected for me, for sure. What do you guys think? Let us know. 888-957-9570. You're leaving Levi Stadium. You're on the way home. Give us a call. It's also the Comcast Business text line. For now, though, time for a break on Overtime. More coming up after this. It's Grandy and Sterling here on Overtime on 95.7 The Game. Second goal. Play action. Purdy, pressure coming away, throws to McCaffrey. McCaffrey twisted to the goal line and in for the touchdown. Two rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown for Christian McCaffrey, and it's 20 to 3, 49ers. Now, back to Overtime with Sterling Bennett, Alan Stiles, and Mark Grandy on 95.7 The Game. Welcome back. Overtime continues here on 95.7 The Game. No Alan Styles today. He'll be back uh, a week from tonight. That game will be going on right now. The Niners and Cowboys on Sunday Night Ooh. Football. A game going on right now in uh, New York, I guess technically in New Jersey, where the Jets play. It's 3-0 Kansas City at the moment. Uh, but it'll be Niners-Cowboys next Sunday night. And it'll be myself, Mark Grandy, along with Sterling and Alan Stiles live from overtime here on 95.7 The Game a week from now. But again, no Alan today. He'll be back in a week. Uh, for now, though, Sterling and I are reacting to the Niners' 35-16 win over the Arizona Cardinals. The Niners are now 4-0. Arizona falls to 1-3 on the season. And we want to hear from you as you're heading out of Levi's Stadium, getting in your car and heading home. 888-957-9570. 49ers, another dominant performance. Christian McCaffrey, a four-touchdown day, 20 carries, 106 yards, three touchdowns on the ground. You just heard one of his touchdowns there. The one you just heard on Fox, Kevin and Kugler had the call, was his touchdown catch. He had seven catches for 71 yards and that score. That was his third touchdown of the game. He would get one more, four in total. And what I want to ask you, what I want to ask the callers, Sterling, again, 888-957-9570. 
Is it time to begin the Christian McCaffrey MVP campaign? Because I think it is. This dude is the best player on the league's best team right now. He's he's what makes this offense go. He's my MVP through four weeks. If McCaffrey keeps up this pace, and I don't want to be Mr. Negative here, but let's say San Francisco doesn't reach their goal and they only go to the NFC Championship game. Only. Yeah, but... I feel like that's going to knock them. They're going to say, well, oh, they weren't winners. And they're going to pick someone like Jalen Hurts or whoever, whoever makes it at the end. If it's if it's a Dallas Cowboy, wrap it up there because the media loves the Dallas Cowboys for whatever reason they are, despite them winning nothing in almost 20, 30 years. It's ridiculous. But I feel like Christian McCaffrey, yes, needs to be on the MVP train. But if you listen now, the media talks about this team calling Brock Purdy, Brock Turdy, not wanting to give him any credit, not wanting to really pick San Francisco yeah. as the number one team in football, which they are, bar none so far through one month of the season. I feel like winning, and not just winning 13, 14 games, winning it all may be the only way Christian McCaffrey gets an award, which rightfully he will deserve if he continues to have four touchdown games throughout the season. So Christian McCaffrey, week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tell me. 22 carries, 152 yards, wow. about seven a pop, a touchdown, had that 65-yard touchdown run. Didn't do a ton in the in the passing game, three for 17 there week one. Week two, by the way, the win week one was 30-7. to seven. He was the driving force behind it. Week two against the Los Angeles Rams, a 30-23 to 23 win. The 49ers leaned on Christian McCaffrey again. 20 carries, 116 yards, almost six per carry, and a touchdown had a 51 yard touchdown in that game again not a ton in the passing game three catches for 19 yards last thursday week three the 49ers dominate the new york giants 30 to 12 it was mccaffrey's most modest day of the year 18 <laughs> carries 85 yards a, a tick under five per carry and a touchdown didn't have a super long one on that one his longest rush of the game that day was for 12 yards but also had five catches for 34 yards still up over 120 or 115 yards in total in that game and then today against the arizona cardinals barton on his best performance of the year 20 carries 106 yards three touchdowns by the way over five yards per carry today and seven catches for 71 yards and a touchdown four touchdowns in total he has seven touchdowns over four games he's averaging over 100 yards <laughs> by far more than 100 yards per game from scrimmage he is the best player on the league's best team he is my mvp i don't know if it's possible for him to keep up this torrid pace because he's been so good through four games but if he does sterling he's gonna run away with the mvp that's how incredible he's been through four games he's my mvp through four weeks through one quarter of the 2023 regular season he's my guy has there ever been a team in my mind is not thinking of every single mid-season trade but the year after acquiring a player because usually quarterbacks aren't traded mid-season but after the year after acquiring a player has a player ever won mvp has a team ever acquired an mvp mm. in the middle of the season it feels like San Francisco right now, now it's a lot of time to go, but right now has their name, their hat on maybe one of the greatest midseason trades of all time in getting Chris McCaffrey. And right now, 
with what he did to like, like what game is more impressive his three touchdown against the rams where he passed for one ran for one and rushed for one or this game where he scored four mm, total good question. He had 28 points or 24 points himself on the ground the the performance against the rams where he threw for one ran for one yep. caught one I think I'd go with that one more impressive because the team needed it more. <laughs> his first actual really first well first start. Chiefs game doesn't count, but he didn't start that game officially. Right. But yeah, first start he played. He was like the number one running back from start to finish. The Niners were coming off of a bad loss against the Chiefs. That was a, a, a point of the season where the Niners needed wins. I mean, that was yeah. where they started their winning streak with Jimmy, and then once he got hurt, it continued with Brock Purdy. But the Niners got off to a really slow start last year. Then they acquired McCaffrey, and they never looked back. I think for that reason, I'd go with that game because the team needed it more. Not to say that they didn't need a win today. A very important win when you stay pace with the Eagles atop the NFC. You stay ahead in the NFC West. Um, today was incredible. But I think the, the circumstances around last year's Rams game, I think, make that one the, the pick for me. Either way, it's seven touchdowns in just those two games. So yeah. <laughs> it's not like Chris McCaffrey's having bad games. And really, has Chris McCaffrey ever had a bad game in San Francisco? No. No. Has Brock Purdy ever had a bad game? Not really, no. no. Has San Francisco ever lost a game with those two guys playing? What? Well, don't, say, <laughs> don't say that one game. Well, they started and finished the game. No. San Francisco, the best team in football? Yes. 4-0 this year? Yes. Two no in the division this year? Yes. One of two remaining teams undefeated this year? Yes. Gonna be Dallas next week? Oh, I believe, Mark, the answer is going to be yes. Niners are good, and I'm excited. Yeah, you have to be excited. I mean, this team is 4-0, and they're blowing opponents out of the water, and something that we can touch on is how we still feel like there's room to improve out there. I mean, could I argue they have exceeded expectations so far? Yes, of course Which they is have. It's crazy to think about knowing the expectation was Super Bowl or bust. Now, it's a long ways away, but I think many of us thought this team has started slow the past two years, three and five and four and four. They're probably going to lose against one of these teams. They said, no, we're going to annihilate every single one of them and leave no inch of doubt in any of these games so far. I think through four games, They've exceeded the expectations oh. put on them so far. No doubt for me. I mean, I knew this was a good team. Yeah. I didn't think this was blow everyone out of the water good. <laughs> like, I thought they'd beat, I thought they'd beat uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm -hmm. I thought they'd win in Los Angeles, but I thought it would be competitive. It was a seven-point game, but it wasn't really as close as that. They dominated the Giants, who I think... Coming into the year, I thought that was going to be a difficult game because the Giants' stout defense and they have a mobile quarterback and that has given the Niners fits in the past. But once that game came around and you kind of realized what the Giants were, at least at this point, I thought it would be a relatively easy win and it was. Um, today, obviously, you, you don't believe much in the Arizona Cardinals, but it's been the way in which they've won all of these games. I think you could easily say that you expected the team to be 4-0. and like it's, it's not yeah. like you're playing against world beaters. <laughs> Pittsburgh on the road, week one, that's a challenge. Yeah. And they made it look like they were playing the worst team in the league that game. Like, I've been impressed, not necessarily based on the results, but just the way it's, it's felt like they have absolutely dominated it's physically. How they won. Yeah. Physically, all of their opponents, they've worn them down. This team is at its best. They were incredible in the first half, but they dominate fourth quarters.
Is what they do. What, I mean, six points in the second half given up so far. What is that? 18 second half points given up through four games? That's eight quarters of second half football. 18 points. It's pretty good. They make it difficult, but they wear you down. If you're going to beat the Niners, Sterling, you got to get on them early. You got to jump on them early because they are so physical offensively and defensively. If you give them a lead in the second half, what are they going to do? They're going to kill you with a 14 play, 77 yard, seven minute, 14 second drive. You blink, you give up seven points, and suddenly half the quarter is over. They've never trailed going into halftime. Never trailed. This they team, almost did week two. But they didn't. <laughs> but they didn't. This team has won, never lost a game through four games. They've never trailed in a game, I believe, more than seven points, and that didn't last long. They've never gone into halftime trailing at all. It feels like San Francisco, when the, you know, the going gets tough and you get a little worried, the offense picks them back. Like We, we saw it against the Rams. saw it today where it's like, oh, the Cardinals is only a five-point game or whatever it was at the time. What do they do? Seven points, now it's a 12-point game. Then scored again. It felt like San Francisco was waiting to pounce. And to start this game, being up 21-3, to eventually 21-10, to it felt like San Francisco, the defense, was wanting to hunt that opposing offense in Arizona. Josh Dobbs, this year, or in this game, rushed for 48 yards. That is the most yards a quarterback has ever rushed against this offense or this defense this year. That's Kenny Pickett, a rather more mobile quarterback. That's more than Daniel Jones, who had five <laughs> yards on the ground last that week. That was gross. Like, if anything, I point to and say, oh, the, you know, after being 4-0 and scoring 35 points in this game, it might be Josh Dobbs' leg you can point to and say, okay, like, that could be a worrisome factor later, but it wasn't like he was gashing you. His longest run was for 12 yards. He's not rushing Lamar Jackson like for 20, 30 yards downfield. Let's extend the drive and move on. San Francisco, for, again, any worry you might have, it's almost like as soon as you have a glimmer of like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that, they come out and say, wash it away and start over. We're so good, and we're going to dominate our opponent. When there's one inch of doubt, erase it. It's not actually there, and we're going to win by, by 19 points and score 35. What did you think of the defense today? And also throw this out to the callers, 888-957-9570. The Niners' defense today, the final score again, 35-16. to 16. Really, it was just two drives that hurt the Niners. The Rams, or pardon me, the Rams. The Cardinals got a field goal in the second quarter and then in consecutive drives to end the first half and to begin the third quarter, they had their two touchdown drives there. The Niners did not force a turnover. They got a turnover on downs, um, but they did not force an interception. They did not force a fumble and recover it. First time this year, they have not forced a turnover in that way. They have turnover on downs, but they did not pick off a pass. They did not recover a fumble for the first time this year. What do you think of the defense today? Give up 16 points. Not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but that that time, late second quarter, early third quarter, the Cardinals got almost everything they wanted. I mean, the 99-yard drive to open up the third quarter <laughs> not good. for Arizona. Again, I was impressed with Josh Dobbs and the rookie wide receiver Wilson from Stanford. Michael Wilson. Michael Wilson coming back home to, to where uh, you know he played collegiately in, in, former, in the South Bay. Former Stanford players scored six touchdowns today. Huh. Wilson had two, McCaffrey had four. Incredible. Stanford's showing out. He was really good. Seven for 76 and two touchdowns. He caught both of the touchdowns from Josh Dobbs again late in the first half and then in their first drive of the third quarter. 
the defense was a, at times it, it wasn't great. The Niners ultimately only give up 16 points, and that was the only touchdown, only points they allowed in the second half. But if we are focusing on areas where maybe this team wasn't its normal dominant self, it was probably the defense, specifically in those two middle quarters. But it did feel like that it was only a three-drive output for the Cardinals. Yeah, field goal and two touchdowns. Right, where it was beginning of the game, Cardinals two first offensive drives, 10 plays, 23 yards, two punts. Yep. Their next three drives... 37 plays, 226 yards, and 16 points, capped off by a 99-yard touchdown drive. Now, to tell the audience and yourself how rare that is <laughs> that a Niners team gives up a 99-yard touchdown drive, it's the first time a Niners defense has done so since September 15th, 2002, against the Denver Broncos. Throwback. 21 years is the last time that's happened. And I'm going to go on a limb and say, it's probably not going to happen the rest of the year. It might not happen for 20 more years. So for a bad Cardinals team to do this against San Francisco, to me, it feels more like a blimp on the radar rather than a problem. My bigger issue with the defense is, why do they keep pulling Isaiah Oliver off the field? And, that was interesting. And, and giving Ambry Thomas reps. He got burnt twice in this game leading to a touchdown pass. Like, Amber Thomas, I felt like coming out of camp was in for a, a bounce back year. We saw what he can do in 2021. This year so far, he's not been that guy. And it feels like that they're waiting for Daryl Luter Jr., rookie out of South Alabama, fifth round pick this year, to finally get on the field for the first time since training camp. Because Thomas has not been a, I don't want to say a, a star, but he hasn't really been a quality NFL caliber player through four games so far. Yeah, they picked the Cardinals picked on him for their first touchdown. Immediately, immediately. Yeah, he he was step for step with I think Hollywood Brown yep. down the left sideline, incomplete. Very next play, same exact route, <laughs> but for a different receiver. I think it was Michael Wilson it on was, that one was. as well. Yeah. And he had maybe a step and a half on Ambry Thomas. Nice completion for a big gain. Sets him up in the red zone. A couple plays after that, uh, it was Ambry Thomas lined up against Michael Wilson again. It was a zone coverage look, it looked like. Thomas tried to pass him off to Hufanga, the safety over the top, and maybe miscommunication. Hufanga a little bit late. Maybe it was a mistake on Thomas, who was supposed to stick with him. Who knows exactly? We'll have to ask. Kyle Shanahan about that tomorrow next time he speaks um, but it was a wide open touchdown Michael Wilson who originally was Ambry Thomas's guy so mm -hmm. you're right and that that was interesting why are you bringing Ambry Thomas in I and mean, he immediately gets cooked um, and, and the Niners went away from that the rest of the game and the Cardinals were not able uh, to get much else going the other thing was there were some moments where Drake Greenlaw was out of the game yeah. he had a moment where it looked like maybe he, he rolled his ankle just a little bit re-injured it maybe came, came back in the game I think a play or two later and made a tackle um but then you saw who was it that came in Oren Burks Oren came Burks, in yeah. at linebacker for a couple of plays and we've kind of been keeping an eye on that weirdly the Niners have been changing up their defensive which sets it's not like a little them. bit sometimes <laughs> you see three linebackers out there instead of a nickelback I'm which is sure, very rare i'm pretty sure Javana kinlaw played head rusher today which never happens yeah, that's that's weird like what <laughs> like I don't know. like why is kinlaw playing defensive end but going back to the thomas stuff it feels like they're trying to get him reps in preparation for him to maybe have to start a game here or there but it's not like it's working and I have no idea what Steve Wilkes is thinking or saying or, or what he's trying to do, but it feels like this team is 
Like, why are you bouncing Lenore, who's having a good game inside when you don't have to? Like, you're up by, at that point, was it 20 or 11 points, whatever it was. You're, you're winning the game by two scores. Why are you changing things defensively when no, that was people, twenty-one to three. When yeah. people aren't getting hurt, it's not like Lenore got hurt or or Oliver got hurt. Why are you taking out what seems like one of your starting caliber cornerbacks for a guy who's been replacement level at best? That to me is a question mark I would have for Steve Wilkes. I don't know Tuesday whenever he talks because right now it's like, hey, you're up by eighteen points. Why are you changing anything? Doesn't make sense to me, but. I think I'll give Steve Volks the benefit of the doubt so far. Has a top five defense in football. And besides one game, they're getting turnovers. And they won 35-16 to 16 today. Yeah, so you mentioned the, the numbers on Arizona's first two drives and then the three drives that followed. I'll reiterate, and then I'll add something on there. So the first two drives for Arizona, 10 total plays, 23 yards, two first downs, two punts. Their next three drives, which is the field goal, touchdown, touchdown, spanning the first and second halves, 37 plays, 226 total yards, 14 first downs, a field goal, and two touchdowns. So for Arizona, as a team in this game, they had 362 yards of total offense. 226 of those yards came on those three scoring drives. That means on the other four drives, the two <laughs> drives before and the two drives after, 136 total yards on those four drives. That's the dominant Niners defense. And what did they do in those drives? Well, they did it with only one sack. Yeah. They did it without forcing a turnover. This was a defensive performance aside from that middle stretch of the game where even without getting the big plays defensively, they still suffocated you. Like, this defense can still be elite even if they aren't getting home to the quarterback, even if they aren't committing, forcing those turnovers. Now, again, there was still that middle stretch. You just can't ignore Arizona's three scoring drives. Like, you can say that for any team. Oh, just take out the times where we gave up points. <laughs> right. We were great. But four drives in this game... To start the game and to end the game, he gave up 136 total in those four drives. That's a very, very good number. Now, again, the question that we're asking is those three middle drives, what changed? What happened? Credit Arizona making some adjustments as well. The Niners eventually figured it out and didn't allow another point after that opening drive touchdown for Arizona in the third quarter. But if there is an area where you feel a little bit uneasy, it was maybe some of the personnel decisions defensively late second quarter, early third. And one of the more impressive, I guess, non-personnel decisions, and this is brought up by Juice on, on the first NorCal Credit Union YouTube chat, is that they had only 10 men on a two-point conversion. And Which they stopped. And Burks and Ufunga combined for an amazing tackle to, to stop the Cardinals from making it at that point. What a, I don't know, do quick math here. Seems like a five-point game. It would have been a three-point okay, game. Okay, three-point game. Yeah. Math's hard, obviously. But, but it feels <laughs> like that... At that moment, San Francisco said, enough's enough. We played this game for too long. We're a better defense than this. And you had a star safety and a backup linebacker combined for, me, not play of the game, but a huge momentum shift in this game. And Steve Volks was like, yeah, just play 10 guys. Just play 10 guys. Who needs 11? Play 10. Did you watch the Notre Dame-Ohio State game? Not this weekend, but the previous weekend? I was too busy watching my Sooners drop 70. Okay. No one cares about your Sooners, <laughs> dude. But so uh, the, the Buckeyes were down by six, seven. Six, I, seven. Yeah, they're down seven. That's hard. <laughs> I'll try to figure. You got the two-point cover. Okay. Right. 
No, it wasn't. They just needed the touchdown to win. It wasn't a two-point okay. conversion. Okay. okay, I'm I'm remembering now. They got the ball all the way down to the, the doorstep at the end zone, the one-yard line, like one second on the clock. Essentially, it, it's common to kind of like a two-point conversion. It's a similar distance, and it's one right. play with one second on the clock. You run one play to win the game. You need a touchdown to win. I think they're probably down five. Is, is what it was. They needed the touchdown to win to walk off on the road against Notre Dame. Notre Dame sends out 10 players. Ugh. And Ohio State obviously gets in. They win the game and they celebrate. But Notre Dame put 10 guys out there on the field and as a result, they lost. Niners almost made a similar... Well, they didn't make the mistake. It didn't come back to bite them because Hufanga forced out James Conner before he got into the end zone for the two-point conversion. But that was also... That was weird. How many times on a big play like... <laughs> I guess you could kind of understand it as I'm sorting through my thoughts here live on air. You could kind of understand it on a live play, like, oh, everything's moving quickly. They're yeah, down at the one yard by line. Surprise too. But on a two point conversion where you're already thinking about sending in a different unit, like, I feel like it's pretty difficult to mess up and only have 10 guys on the field in the two point conversion of death when you have the break after the touchdown in the first place. When I feel like the Niners special teams unit isn't too different than their their base defense. Maybe it's not Hargrave or Armstead, but I feel like you're going to see guys like Hyder and, and Givens. But I'm just imagining one guy being like, guys, wait! I'm number 11! Wait for me! Well, I think it was Isaiah Oliver on the <laughs> sideline. She shouldn't have pulled him out in the first place. That is, <laughs> it, it's Steve Wilkes' fault. Come on, come on, guys. Come on, Steve. Oh, man. But again, made the stop. Big play. You win 35-16. to 16. 4-0, Mark. Yeah. 4 no. 35 to 16. You've put up at least 30 in all four games this year. I know we just spent like 20 minutes talking about the defense and a few concerns there, but it's really just because there's nothing else to be concerned about. That's how good this team is. We want to hear from you as you're heading home from Levi's Stadium. We've got one hour of overtime left here on 95 7 the game, and we're going to your calls all hour long. 888 957 9570. It's also the Comcast Business Text Line. Twitch and YouTube powered by First NorCal Credit Union. One more hour of overtime when we have some sound from Shanahan, Purdy, and McCaffrey coming up as well. It's Grandy and Sterling on overtime right here on 95.7 The Game.